0: Hey, it's Living Cola. Welcome to Casualty of Love's Apologies. Each week, I'll be reading chapters from my book, C-O-L-A. This podcast is rated R for relatable. What I found when writing was how freeing it allowed me to be. My prayer is that as you listen to this story, you'll find your own peace and freedom. It may be a bumpy ride, but we'll get through this together. It starts right now. Chapter 10, Telephone Game Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and His precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2, verse 15 He was cute, super tall, definitely a Ken Gwan situation. He left a ball, so I called him Dribbles. 6'3 to 5'3. Tall and skinny to short and thick. It looked weird as hell, but I didn't care. The only problem was that he was in my grandma's hood, so the chances of my family knowing him were hella high. I should have assumed that, at least. We talked for a few months before deciding to meet, and since I was basically on house arrest... Sneaking out of my grandma's house to meet him was going to be a challenge. Not impossible, though. My family was more concerned about me embarrassing them more than I already had, which meant anywhere I went, I had a chaperone. I felt dehumanized. Not even caged animals were watched as closely as I was. I was allowed to follow my cousin to the mall one day and use that as my way to meet dribbles. It was cool seeing him. He was just as cute as his pictures and even taller than I thought. It was safe to say that we were comfortable dating after we met in person. Our relationship was mostly over the phone cause that's the only thing I had that wasn't monitored. After a couple months of talking, Jibbles decided to introduce me by phone to his friends. That was a huge mistake. Because any time we spoke after that, his friends always wanted to say hi. There were three specific guys he had introduced me to, and each one said the same thing. You have a sexy voice. I want to get to know you better. My man was Jibbles, so his friends needed to step off. But instead of telling them to beat it, he gave one of his friends, Brian, my number, and told him he was free to call me whenever. Why would he do that? I mean, if I'm his girl, why would he tell him it's okay to talk to me? What about me? Don't I get a say in who I can and who I want to talk to? Or I don't mean anything to him, so he don't even care. Why did he give his brother my number? It just didn't make sense. He didn't even ask me if it was okay. Well, if he want to play games, I'll show him games. I'm not a stupid ball he can pass back and forth. Since he wanted his friends to talk to me, then I played right along with it. I let his friends come on to me, I soaked it all up and flirted right back. So what? He didn't seem to care. Not very mature on my part, but hey, I was young and I was hurt. So, I had Brian calling me, then somehow a next guy named Shane started calling me too. Now I was talking to two of Dribble's friends. At first, I was just annoyed with Jibbles, but these guys seemed pretty decent. We developed a friendship, kinda. I would spend time talking to each of them separately for hours sometimes. They spoke about relationships and wanting to travel to come see me. I still made it clear that I was still interested in Dribbles, even if it seemed like he clearly passed me off. Dribbles and I were still talking often. If he was jealous, he didn't seem to show it, which... Messed me up even more. Why doesn't he just tell him to step off? Does he not even like me? To complicate the matter, it turns out I actually knew one of his other friends from a previous encounter. Months before I had even started talking to Jibbles, his friend Derek had shot me while walking through the mall. We spoke a couple times after, but it never amounted to anything serious. Derek was part of his crew. He was Jebel's friend and Brian's cousin. One night, I was on the phone with Brian, and he decided that he and Derek wanted to drive down to my house to chill. I mean, by not, we were all friends, so why not? I shouldn't have been chilling with my man's friends, but he did this to himself. Before I let him play me and continue to pass me off, i must show him I ain't the one to play with. They showed up at my house, Without dribbles. I had no clue what Brian looked like. Because I had never met him or seen his pic. But I mean I felt safe enough. Because I knew his cousin. When they arrived. I was absolutely. Flabbergasted. <sighs> Brian was Ross. Ugly. And smelt like he had showered in a minute. He was like. Like really fat. But. It wasn't so much the weight that had bothered me, but the fact that he just, he smelled so bad, he was one hot Ross ugly mess. Which sucked, cause Brian was the one who, I, who was feeling me the most, but I was repulsed by the smell. Instead of hanging out with Brian like he wanted, I hung out with his cousin. At first, we just played music and chilling, nothing crazy. But every time Brian tried to get me alone in a room, I had made excuses. Derek, on the other hand, I was very attracted to him and him me. He reminded me of how we first met and that we had unfinished business. So I'm thinking, what about Jibbles? Derek said, if Jibbles really wanted me, he wouldn't have handed out my number. I let them come see me without him. That's you? Yeah, he played me. Technically, I did meet Derek first. We moved to the next room, alone. Forgetting about everything else around us, we indulged into what was meant to be. Quick, but good. His sex matched his appearance. They soon left after, and yet again, Brian tried to get me alone, but I wasn't the type to double dip in the same night. About maybe two weeks later... I get the infamous telephone call that my family loves to do. It's literally a game of telephone. One person receives a message and they pass it along to the rest of the family until it gets back to my parents. They never attempt to find the truth in the situation. They just pass along what they hear and expect it all to just work itself out. Since I was a slut of the family, it must've been all true, right? From what I heard, I had not only slept with Brian, But I also sucked his dick. Ugh, someone passed a basin because even repeating it makes me want to throw up. Like, why? It's one thing to lie and say I had sex. But to say I put my lips on that piece of dick that hasn't seen daylight in a while? That's just hectic. So, Brian was on some shit. And now my whole family was on some shit. Saying I was dirty because I slept with him and sucked his dick. They asked me how I even found his dick to suck it and how it tastes since he don't bathe. I was white like a ghost. What you mean I slept with him? Derek, his cousin, yeah, but not Brian. Brian must have really been feeling himself to pull a lie like that out of his ass. Apparently, both Brian and Dribbles were telling my cousin at school that I fucked Brian. First off, Dribbles didn't even ask me for a shoe. And second, as a friend, how does Brian run back to his own brethren? Looked him in the face and said, man, I slept with your girl and she sucked my dick. Like, are you good, fam? Who says that? There was no mention of me sleeping with Derek, though. Obviously, since Brian had been to my house, he was able to describe what my place looked like, which gave his story validation. Apparently, Dribbles was trying to put me through a test. I already knew that. I ain't stupid. Your test backfired, though. What hurt the most was that he didn't even ask me. He heard Brian and ran to my family to embarrass and get back at me. It was one thing for my family to call me names, but they harassed me relentlessly. I would get phone calls from them calling me names like bitch, hoe, gross, fat, ugly, anything and everything before they hung up. Sometimes they wouldn't even say nothing. They would just call my phone and have it ringing and ringing and ringing. I couldn't even answer my cell phone anymore. Then there were the emails, calling me a disgusting two-cent whore. Then it was the text messages. Then it was the messages on my social media wall for everyone to see. It went on for weeks. They wouldn't stop. They just wouldn't stop. If I called to speak to my grandma, they hung up the phone on me. I was no longer allowed back in my grandma's house. I could no longer talk to her. It was the worst feeling ever. They treated me worse now than they ever did before, hearing about the gang rapes. They said I had nothing to strive for in my life because I had already disgraced the family and they forgave me. But now they couldn't risk having a hole like me around. I cried till I couldn't cry no more. No one intervened. None of the adults. I was alone. This was the first time that I really just wanted to die. What's the point? All of this over some stupid lie, I might as well die. At least they wouldn't have to feel so embarrassed by me. I hated dribbles just as much as I wanted to die. Stupid ass motherfucker. He should have asked me, I would have told him. He didn't have to run to them first, especially because I told him how they were. No one believed me. I was being crucified. Worst of all, I had to face my parents. I can't even remember their emotions, but I know they were angry. Livid. Even though I told them it wasn't true, they didn't believe me. I didn't have anybody on my side. Bitterness became my choice of poison. Fuck family. I don't have one. If I catch that nigga dribbles on the street, I'ma kill him. I'ma pour bleach down his throat and all over his clothes. I kept fantasizing about death. How it would feel. How peaceful it would be. How beautiful it was. This pain is too much. This shit is too difficult. I'm telling the truth and nobody cares. I don't even matter. I'm not even here. I'm invisible. Why should I keep going? I'm just an object. Discarded. They'd probably be happy if I was dead. Thoughts of suicide felt more and more real. It was on me. I was plagued by it. It was in me. It was about to become me. Death was at my door. It was calling me. I was making deals with the darkness, but something had me log online. And the darkness and the darkest nights is when I met this guy named Ahmed. He spent the whole night trying to talk me out of killing myself and to let go of harming jibbles. He wouldn't let me sleep until I promised I wouldn't do it. Until I promised I wouldn't feed into the dark. Slowly, he became my friend, my best friend. No matter what, he always messaged me to make sure I was good. He was Jamaican, Egyptian, Somali, and he was damn fine. He was one of the flyest men I knew, and I cherished his friendship because he saw me at my darkest and loved me back to health. He saw me in my purest form, and he wasn't scared. I know it was a God moment cause I was so ready to go. I wanted him to stay forever. I wanted to be with him. I wanted him to keep me going cause without him, I wasn't sure I knew how to keep living. Then one day, just like the other men, he disappeared without a trace. (laughs) and I was left alone again. I was tired of people leaving. What is wrong with me? No more Miss Cola. Fuck men. If I don't get invested, then they can't hurt me. I felt the shift coming too. But it was winter entering my heart. Hey, I'm Cola. Thank you so much for listening. It's truly been a blessing. You can find copies of this book at livingquola.com. You can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Please join me next week as I continue to read chapters from Casualty of Love's Apologies.